the week that changed the world, the Terry and Jesse show. This is the week where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has entered into his passion. The word passion is Latin for suffering. And as Catholics, this is a very special time for us. Uh, my name is Jess Romero, the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? I'm reporting for duty, Jess, the, Le- the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Terry Barber. Glad to be here to talk about the spiritual life today. We have Father Basil Cole. He's a, a um, Dominican priest who's been around a long time, been working on the uh, spiritual life. He wrote a book called Angelic Virtues, Demonic Vices. Wow, that sounds, just the title got my attention. Yes, wow. exactly. And That's be- going to be good. Yeah, and because it's Wednesday, we always have our church militant update on the news coming out. So we've got a full day here. And Jess, you know, I always ask you for your good-to-know file. What do you got going right now? Yeah, Terry, right now what I want to mention is that uh, I'm, I'm helping a, a lot of Catholics over in the East Coast trying to organize for the Satanic Conference that's coming to Boston, Massachusetts, April 28th, 29th and 30th at the Boston Marriott uh, Copley Place. And uh, again, the Temple of Satan. These guys are very uh, missionary-minded. They want to go and curse the city of Boston, so uh, many Catholics are reaching out to me, and I'm just encouraging them to go out there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with rosaries in their pockets, with sacramentals in a state of grace, and go and pray for three hours from 12 noon to 3 p.m. Wow. And what I've done to make it very easy... Tell us. Anybody, if you if you go to my website, jesseromero.com, on the front page where it says downloads... I have 3DF piles, 3DF, three PDF files that tell you exactly what to do. It's called Information for Prayer Rally at SatanCon on my website. And I got three PDF files. Wow. I print them out. I've got the order of prayers that I used here in Scottsdale that'll take you to three hours of sustained prayer. Then I give you the reasons, the, 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 the civic reasons. Uh, what you should do, call the police, call the mayor's office, make sure you don't need a permit, uh, ask them where you can stand. Then I give you the spiritual things to do also, uh, you know, how to prepare, go to confession, go to mass that morning, uh, make sure that all of you are wearing your sacramentals, you're in a state of grace. So the three PDF files that I prepared, download them for free and take them and pass them out to you Bostonian Catholics. I wish I could be out there with you. It'll show you how to organize and get ready. And also just basic things like carpool, take water. Uh, uh, and, and, I got the, and the reason I chose from 12 to 3 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, because that's when our blessed Lord was dying for our sins on the cross, 12 to 3. That's when his blood was flowing down the, the cross of Calvary. And so mystically, we want to unite our prayers to the, to the blood of Jesus, which mystically flows from the cross of Calvary from 12 noon to 3 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So go to my website, jesseromero.com. Go to Information for Prayer Rally at SatanCon and download the free PDF files that I've prepared. Awesome. Hey, just one bit of news. The Passion of Christ with Bill Gibson's uh, movie, where you're encouraging people to watch it. On the, on the uh, passion, so powerful. Uh, the gentleman who played St. John in the Mel Gibson's 2004 hit box office film, The Passion of Christ, he's Bulgarian-born. He died of lung cancer April 1st. And mm. um, what's interesting, Jesse, is he, he uh, had joy in his heart from what Mel Gibson said. He was with him right, right to the end because he had his hope in Jesus Christ. I imagine Amen. playing the role of St. John in The Passion wow. must have really affected his uh, whole faith. And now he's, you know, he met Jesus for real. Amen. In other words, Amen. this is not a movie. This is the real thing. And I just wanted to say, let's pray for his soul 
His name, uh, his, Javoka. It's an interesting name because he's from the um, Bulgarian born. So I want to pray for him. Christo Javoka. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. Yes, that, that's just a, a powerful thing. I always think that whenever you see a, a powerful movie like the, uh, like the Mel Gibson's book on the Passion, I mean, I watched it, what, is it 20 years ago? And yeah. it's still in my mind. Those images oh. are, are drilled into my memory. Now, you can either watch something bad that's going to have those images, like, for example, pornography. People say, They'll burn in your mind. They'll yeah, burn. Exactly. But you know what? If you put good images like the Passion of Christ video, watch it again, the movie, that will be in your, in your memory for life. So that's why I encourage people to watch holy movies. And not only that, Terry, also extras to say that when you fill your minds with good thoughts and good memories, yeah. you, 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 re- you, replace them with, you replace the bad memories that you've put in there. So it like pushes know. them out, it flushes Makes them sense. out. Yeah, if you're constantly putting out good thoughts and good memories and good images, awesome. it flushes out all the bad stuff that you've put in there in the past. Wow. So that's that's important. Hey, just want to also rem- invite people. I'm going to be going to the Holy Land October 6th or the 16th. If you want to hang out with me for nine days in the land where Jesus walked, I'll be going there with Father Dave Nix. You can uh, <clears throat> go, to my, <clears throat> go to my website. The information is there at jesseromero.com. I'd love to hang out with you for nine days in the Holy Land, the land where Jesus walked. Wow, that's exciting. Hey, Jesse, how about some soul food, unless you got other information before that? Yeah, the last thing before soul food is uh, the Chinese balloon that was collected. Oh, yeah. It had sensitive intelligence. Hmm. The Chinese spy balloon that traversed the United States earlier this year gathered and reported intelligence from multiple sensitive American military sites, according to a new report from the NBC News. The news comes after the Biden administration's Pentagon claimed at the time it blocked transmissions and prevented the balloon from gathering intelligence. Hmm. <laughs> Not so much. I don't believe anything from that administration. I'm sorry, Jess. Yep. Okay. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Uh, today's Spy Wednesday, yep. uh, the Wednesday of, the, of Holy Week. Yep. We call it Spy Wednesday because we're reminded of the order of love. It's God, and God alone is our first love. Because he's loved us completely and extravagantly and were to respond to him in like manner. So today's gospel is Matthew 26. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my time draws near, in your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to, to him, one after another, surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, he who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Now, that indicates right there that Judas Iscariot, who he's talking about, Judas the betrayer, that indicates that he's, that he's in hell. Of course it does. Because think about this. Yeah. And the fathers of the church have already said this. Do- doctors of the church have already commented on the verse. They said, this verse indicates he's in hell. So none of this universal salvation baloney. Uh, it, it goes on to say, 
<clears throat> then Judas's betrayer said in reply, surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, you have said so, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Terry, when you look at the cross, I'll tell you what verse jumps out at me from sacred scripture is Matthew twenty twenty eight, okay. where it says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, yeah. a ransom for many. <clears throat> That's what, this is what, uh, Father Gary Gould Lagrange says, Jesus, our big brother, the eldest brother of the family, yep. paid the price. He redeemed all of us, younger brothers and sisters of the family. We were slaves to sin. Right. Jesus paid the price and he unbound us. We were all tied to sin. Jesus unbound us by his death on the cross. Our big brother of the family did that for us uh, to God the Father in atonement for our sins. Wow, let's bring the smartest guy in. Oh, Gene ahead. Jesse, Cardinal Seurat and Bishop Sheen uh, are saying similar things in a different era, but they're still the truth. I could hear Fulton Sheen saying this. Cardinal Seurat says, without truth, liberty becomes a license. Sheen said that. Hmm. Merely the illusion of liberty, which exhausts itself in self-destructive activities. Jesse, let me give you some self-destructive activities that are going on. Are you ready? Fornication, yes. mm. adultery, same-sex, so-called marriage, homosexuality. They're destructive, okay? So this is what the world is doing, and they're calling it freedom. You know what we call it? Sin. And this is what we have to call this and not try to soft-pedal, lower the bar, and say, oh, no, no, they can't control themselves. Hey, Jesse, I'm not giving a public confession, but you know what, brother? Through the grace of God, when I got married, I was a virgin. It's, mm. It can happen, okay? I say that publicly, not to Praise break. The, Lord. the point I'm saying is, yep. grace, don't say you can't do it. With God's grace, anything can be done. And so uh, I just think Cardinal Seurat and Bishop Sheen are in different errors, but they're saying the same thing because truth doesn't change. Exactly. Truth, uh, there's no expiration date on nope. truth. Nope. Yeah. What do we got coming up, Jess? Yeah, Terry, up, up next, we got a Dominican priest oh, yeah. that's going to come up, Father Basil Cole. Mm-hmm. He, I, I just can't wait to try into this book. <laughs> the book, it's, it's a tan book. It's called Angelic Virtues and Demonic Vices. Thomas Aquinas' Practical Principles for Reaching Heaven and Avoiding Hell. Wow. Talk about a practical uh, book for the Lent right now. I mean, Thank we're, we're supposed to grow in holiness and we're supposed to, uh, you know, uh, fight against our, our vices and, and, and master our, our, our disordered passions. This priest and this book is going to give us these the pearls of great price so we can know how to become as holy as possible. And, you know, Jesse, I know he's an older priest, so he's been around the block. He's seen it all. This yeah. is where you want to go to your elders. Yeah. It's a very biblical teaching. We go to our elders to yeah. get advice. We don't go to the guys that just came out and said, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I know it all. No, yeah. we go to the 80-year-olds. Why? Because they've been around, man. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We are too blessed to be stressed. We are too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick moment in the break. Welcome back, Jess. We got Father Basil Cole, Dominican, on the line. Let's talk about his new book. Father, Hi. welcome. A lot to talk to you about, Father. Yeah. Thanks for coming Thank on you. with us. Yeah, absolutely. So you wrote Thank a book you. called 
angelic virtues and demonic vices, Aquinas practical principles for reaching heaven and avoiding hell. What a great Lenten read. Oh yeah. Father, yeah. So in your book, you divide it into two sections, vices and verses, virtues, excuse me. Why did you do that? Well, the more you and I um, love the outcomes of virtue, the more we hate the outcomes of vice. Mm. Makes sense. That's just the way things are, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Uh, the, the, the more you, if you're a piano player, the more you dislike mistakes, <laughs> the more you want to get it right. Amen. And so uh, I think I started with the vices first, and then I went to the virtue second, because most people are more, shall we say, more akin to the vices than they are to the virtue. Oh, yeah. Then I try to show the consequences of the vices, what they do to the intellect, the will, the emotions. And then part two, now here's what happens when you strive and struggle and fight for the uh, uh, virtues, because the vices are your enemies. Mm. They're the they're, and they're hidden quite often, and sometimes they're not so hidden. It depends upon the imagination and a whole series of other things. Sure, that makes sense. Father, this is an interesting question. I don't mean to throw you a curveball, but you make the point that there seem to be eight capital vices, but the church and tradition of the arts indicate seven. Can you sh- explain on that? Sure. St. Thomas is the one who teaches that there are eight. Ah, well, that's good enough mm. for me. That's the first thing. <laughs> and the church's wow. uh, Council of Trent, the present Vatican, uh, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church, starts out with pride. Now, if Thomas isn't too far off, because he will say that the property of pride is first vainglory. Mm-hmm. The Catechism doesn't speak about vainglory, and neither does the Council of Trent, to my knowledge. And so he kind of, you know, the, the church kind of, shall we say, conflates the two, because for Thomas, pride first is purely interior, and then it leads to want the desire for other people to fawn all over you, to praise you, to thank you, to adore you, to glorify you, blah, 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 blah. So that's why the church seems to kind of put the two together. Uh, secondly, uh, for Thomas, the, the, the uh, pride is the queen of the virtues. And the other seven are her lieutenants. Mm-hmm. That is Love to it. say, her lieutenants in the interior battle against sin mm-hmm. and in the interior battle to grow in virtue and grace. Okay. Right. Now, having said that, then each each lieutenant then gives birth to what Thomas calls daughters of each one of the lieutenants, daughters mm-hmm. from within. And generally, every vice has anywhere from seven to eight daughters. Outcomes, wow. uh, further sins, Fantastic. further problems. Yeah. Does that explain it? Yes, you did a Absolutely. great explanation. Yeah. I love it. I want to. I want to take more classes from you. Absolutely, Father. <laughs> it, well, fa- Father's giving us a class on air with <laughs> exactly. thousands of people. So, thank you very much, Father. Father, if we are inheritors of the wounds of original sin, what makes it possible for any one of us to grow in virtue? Well, first of all, as Saint Thomas teaches us, and so does the Church. We're not 
totally corrupted by original sin. We're kind of corrupted. That is to say, well, we come into this life without sanctifying grace. We come into this life uh, a little wounded in the intellect, not so much for Thomas. Certainly, we all have kind of weak wills, Mm -hmm. and our emotions are never quite easily in sync with what's reasonable. And quite often, our emotions get the best of us, okay? Yep. Now, having said that, that's original sin. Then along comes Jesus Christ, as you know, and he suffers and dies, etc., establishes a church that pours out the what St. Thomas would call not only sanctifying grace, justifying grace, but assisting grace so that we can accomplish God's will. God doesn't just simply lead out a bunch of precepts and commandments and says, here's what I want you to do to get into heaven, period. I'm, I'll watch you. Yeah. He puts out these precepts and commandments and counsels too. And he says, now I'm going to give you assisting graces. Today, following a Dominican father of the 1600s, I think, or 1500s, Dominic de Soto, he called it actual grace. See? And that those actual graces give us the little strengths, if we consent to them, to fight the vices as best as we can and eventually to conquer them, not their first movements, not the temptations that come from within. The temptations aren't sins yet, strictly taken, because we don't will them. They kind of just pop up, you see, like an earthquake. (laughs) It's what we do with them. We get the graces to sort of push them out of our minds and hearts and imaginations and memories, and then try to do the right thing, because we not we want to please God, yes, but that also secondarily it's to keep us integral, to keep us human, truly human, to keep us, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, self-possessed, so that we slowly but surely live by true reason and faith and grace and even the inspirations of the Holy Spirit, and thereby we become holy. And if we don't, well, then we go to confession to get more grace. If we don't pray, we ask God to give us more grace. Uh, you know, the, the more we try to grow in prayer, then that had, we get more assisting graces to face the daily trials and difficulties that any state of life has. And we all have them, from Pope to somebody who's, you know, a dishwasher in a restaurant. Mm, I love mm. it. Father, you speak the language of the people. I love you. Oh, yeah. I do. Blue collar. Blue collar. Well, so, so does St. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas he does. And, and, and this is why Fulton Sheen, I'm just going to bring something up about actual grace. Bishop Sheen is a Thomist, and he was able to take what Thomas said and put it into the common language. And I, I get that from you also. I think that's yes. a gift. You know, so God bless you. Oh, it, it isn't me. Thomas himself is putting it. I know, but but that's why I think we need to get back to Thomas more and more in the church today. That's true. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I think he's, you would. He's, <laughs> he's right. called the preferred doctor of the church by the Second Vatican Council. Perfect. But that doesn't oh, wow. mean that everybody yeah, no, prefers I it. I, I did not that. know that. that I I'm didn't gonna, know that. Well, I learned something right, right there. Yes, thank you. Father, let me throw something another. I'm not throwing you curveballs, but I, I use my... Throw them. I love curveballs. You can hit him out of the you can hit him out of the baseball park. <laughs> okay. So which is more important? Receiving the sacraments or prayer? Or both? Well, it's not either or. 
It's both ends. Exactly. That's a very Catholic yeah. approach, isn't it? Yes. Of course. Just like, is what a, should we, we should hate vice and love virtue, yeah. not either or, both ends. Exactly. If I go around hating vice all the time, yeah. but I don't have a love for the virtues, well, I'm not going to grow in virtue. Right. That's right. I say, I just want to be virtue, 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 but I don't care. You know, I'm not going to hate the vices and I'm not going to grow in virtue, virtue, virtue. Common sense. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. So, Father, what's the role of the, stu- of the study in the life of virtue? What is well, the role? Well, uh, a lot many people know this, believe it or not, that uh, St. Thomas in the tract on, on um, temperance mm-hmm. speaks of a potential part of temperance called studiositas, translated study as a little virtue. And it's an it's a virtue that enables us to know truth. Truth of mathematics, truth of physics, truth of chemistry, but especially truth of our faith. Because the more we say we love our faith, the more we want to understand our faith. I mean, we don't just simply say, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and blah, 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 blah. No. When I say the creed, when I pray the creed, those are concepts. Yeah. Those have ideas. So as I study those ideas, that enables me then to know more about God. And as you know from experience, the more you know somebody that's that's beautiful and good and true, yep. the more you love them. You know, knowledge is the introductory uh, uh, virtue to, uh, in theology to the uh, to charity, and then as you grow in charity, then the more you begin to understand your faith. Um, this is that simple. And that's yep. true in human nature. Human nature, you know. If I if I'm a, a, a 18 year old guy, I see a girl and I kind of like her. I fall in love with her. I want to marry her. Let's say then I have to get to know her. You know, and the more I get to know her, the more I appreciate her virtue, her goodness, her good qualities, etc. And she's 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 probably will make an excellent wife. Yes, yeah, so that is simple. Yeah. This this is not rocket science. No, no. There's, there's a vice called curiositas, where you don't strive to know the truth. You just sort of want to read for the sake of reading to show off, or you want to study things that don't have any real practical value or even theoretical value, or you don't have the talent to to be able to understand. And so you kind of pretend you want to create a false image of yourself. All of that is the sin of curiositas. But studiositas, on the other hand, leads us into prayer, into meditation, into contemplation, and the ability to appreciate the Mass, whether it's in English or Latin or French or Italian or or Jewish or Hebrew. The Mass is the Mass. And so you, the more you understand what the meaning of the Mass is, it doesn't make a difference what language it's in, because you're there in the presence of the passion, death of Christ and his resurrection. Father, wow. would, it, would it be a fair statement to say that the, the sin of Eve was uh, curiosity? Uh, yes, I think so. Curiositas. Yep. That's the way the old evil one uh, tempted her yes. primarily by, uh, well, a few other things, too. There was also yeah. not only that, but she also thought that she could have certain gifts 
uh, without uh, depending upon God. And so he used curiositas in there too. Well, different, a lot of things went on in the East. Yeah. I don't, I have yeah. Why is meditation and contemplation so important in the life of the ordinary Catholic? Well, think about it. Let's reverse. Let's ask the question. Why is meditation and contemplation so important for the thief? <laughs> yeah. his, sal oh, his, his salvation. Exactly. Let's slow down, slow down, slow down. Okay, okay. The thief wants to rob the bank. He's looking for, the, for, for money. Oh, he wants okay, to get okay. $10,000. So what does he do? He studies the bank, uh, how it, when it opens, Lay what out, goes yeah. on inside. Father, hang on a second. We got to take a quick break with that question. This is fascinating. Yes. And the question really is, um, uh, the question talks about St. Thomas's teachings. So we want to get to that and much more with Father Basil Cole. He's a Dominican priest. He wrote a book called Angelic Virtues and Mnemonic Vices. Tan Books. Go to tanbooks.com. Pick up the book now at the break time. It'll only take you a minute. We'll be right back with Father. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm all excited. We've got Father Basil Cole, Dominican priest. And I mean, it's called, uh, you know, Blue Collar Catholicism book. Oh, yeah. The Angelic Verses, uh, uh, Virtues and Demonic Vices. He was answering a question. We got cut off because of the, the break. Why is meditation and contemplation so important for the life of an ordinary Catholic? I'll turn it back to you, Father. Okay. So let's say, why is it important for a, for a jewel thief or for a bank robber to have contemplation and meditation? Well, he's, he's meditating all the time. He's figuring out, how am I going to rob the bank? So he's going to study the bank, the times, how up when they when they bring in the money, when they take out the money, and all that. And when's the proper time to go in with a mask and a gun and rob the bank and then be successful? That's meditation or to do an evil. Wow. And once he does rob the bank, what does he do? He goes home. He throws the money up in the air and delights in the money. And he's he's contemplating now his success. Ooh contemplating the delight of these tens of thousands of dollars he's got in his arms, okay? Now, let's reverse. Why is contemplation and meditation necessary for salvation? Well, duh, let's use the same example. We want to get into heaven. It's difficult. It's a little hard. So we try to study what are some of the, what are the, some of the ways in which we can do God's will, grow in virtue, overcome vice. So we meditate on the mysteries of our faith and uh, mysteries of our morals, and we try to study how, what they are, and we try to study, now, how am I going to grow in them? That's meditation. Yeah. Then as I'm slowly growing in grace and virtue, now I'm contemplating the grace, I'm contemplating God who's given me the grace to do this, and then I might even start contemplating the goal, the end, heaven itself, and who is the Trinity, and, and why is this so important? And I might delight in these things. That's called contemplation, simple. Now, if I can't do that, I try to contemplate Christ or think about Mary and her virtues and how I want to become like her, like John the Baptist or John the Apostle or all the apostles or all that St. Paul says. Gee, these are things I think I've these will bring me closer to God, and then I'll also kind of think more and more about God, thinking more and more about what he's done for me and how he is, and really about et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I so that's why it's necessary for salvation. You don't get into heaven mindless normally unless you're a baby baptized. You know, Father, oh, you remind yeah, me. Yeah, that was so good. That was, that was so you good. You know, I remember a priest telling me this, change your meditation, meaning stop meditating on the person that hurts you because you can meditate on that, right? Let's meditate yeah. on the passion of Christ. So I thought that was great. Next yeah, question. But, but, but let me just, let, oh, no, Father, no, just no. make this quick. <laughs> yeah, because something else has come to my mind as you, know, as man, you, as you gave us an explanation. Uh, do angels and demons meditate just y yes or no uh, and contemplate? Yes or no? Just uh, We don't have to go along with it because I want to get to other questions. Of course they okay, contemplate. Intellects. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. That that's makes sense. Hey, yeah, it makes sense. Father, why, okay. why does St. Thomas call pride the queen of the capital vices? Hmm. <laughs> long talk, a long time to, to say, but let's put it in as much as simple language yeah, as we can. Yeah. Well, first of all, he defines pride in kind of a two. It's a two-pronged advice. On the one hand, it's self-inflation. Thinking of how wonderful I am, what glorious I am. I am just the greatest and the best and the best and the best. <laughs> and that leads to, oh, I don't need God. I don't need God. I don't need God. God isn't important. God is third in my life. Then he's zero in my life. Now, once that happens, then you've closed off source of grace. Okay, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. But even if it doesn't close, even even though that may, even though you may not be an atheist, well, then what happens? You start to think, well, what can boost my ego? Well, praise and honor and glory from people. Yes. But also having more goods, having more wonderful things. And so enter uh, uh, the desire, avarice, the, the root of sin. So I want more and more because I'll feel better and better and I'll be more affirming and firming and I'll be, I'll be higher and higher in people's esteem if I have a better car, if I have a better degree, if I have a better this, a better that. I am a superstar. And then if you have something I don't have, then that leads to envy. Yep. See, getting sad over somebody that has things that I don't have or talents that I don't have. All that stuff, you know. Should I go on? <laughs> no, you, you nailed it, Father. I love it. I wish we had another hour with him, Jess. No, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, brother. What's next, Father? So, is the vice of acedia also called sinful sadness and laziness the worst of the capital vices? Um. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, a lot of us would prefer to just simply call it, as you put it, acedia or achadia. Mm -hmm. Or the, I think the better translation is spiritual boredom. Mm. What does spiritual boredom do? Well, prayer, going to Mass, thinking about God, is perceived as a kind of an evil to avoid. It's an apparent evil, but you think it's, you're so, you know, there are degrees of achadia or acedia or spiritual boredom, but the depths of achadia is that all these things are just enemies to you. And so you, yuck, ugh, oh, prayer, yuck, mass, yuck, uh, sacraments, yuck, hot church, yuck, ah, awful, 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 awful. And so then I throw myself into sins of the flesh or sins of the spirit. And so from that perspective, like Chadia is the final, the coup de gras, 
of the uh, capital vices. You kind of now, now that doesn't mean that you can't have occasional, occasional, shall we say, uh, moments of achatia in anybody's life. Yeah. That can happen, but when it becomes predominant and profound, then this is what happens: choosing of uh, an, an avoidance of a true good, so you can so that you can pursue a true what you think is a false good. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Father, quick one. I hope you had a yes answer for mom and dad listening. Can your book teach parents how to educate their children in virtue? I think so. If they put their thinking caps on, <laughs> you know, St. Thomas is, you know, St. Thomas is difficult to read. When I used to read him, I'd do that to fall asleep. <laughs> uh, it was very easy to fall asleep on the hard section. Yeah. That is to say, the prima pars, uh, where is he talking about Trinity, God, Christ. and then the Sathertia pars on Christ. There are a lot of sections in there. You have to kind of know a lot of philosophical background. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, to, to the virtues and the vices, I think an 18-year-old can understand St. Thomas. I don't think it's, it's, it's a little dry. I mean, the, the style is not fun to read. So that's why I try to, try to show how he, you know, by taking good sections of it yep. that are so clear that an idiot can understand them. <laughs> that's well, then that you might be able to really uh, understand what it means to educate your children wow. as distinct from forcing your children to be good. Great distinction. Know. Yep. Father, what's uh, what's more important, the desire for heaven or the fear of damnation? Hmm. <laughs> I would say that objectively speaking, objectively speaking, mm -hmm. in the order of abstraction, yep. The desire for God, of course, is more important because that's what you're made for. That's what you're designed for. Amen. You're not designed for damnation. You're designed for fulfillment and and uh, and absolute happiness. You're not designed for absolute misery. Okay. Then speaking subjectively, sometimes the the fear of damnation might spark you away from grave sin. And help you start to thirst for God somewhat. See, so it's not an easy answer. You can't say absolutely speaking one or the other. It's, it's sort of got it uh, in the order of abstraction. Definitely heaven, and in the real order, quite often when temptations really get grave, sometimes having meditated upon damnation can help you stop. But the more you understand why you're stopping. Uh, that can, you know, that, that can certainly, as you grow, as you grow in virtue and you go, you see, there are three stages in the spiritual life, according to the Teresa, it's down to the cross, Thomas Aquinas, the beginner, the advanced and the perfect. And so when you're a beginner, perhaps a little more on the fearful side is, is more important. But it, as you get out of the mire, uh, you get out of the, the guts, the, 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 the sinful side, then the more the, the desire for God takes takes precedence. So does that answer your question? I yeah. think so. Father, real quick question. Not, not Well, before a question, I want to remind everybody that you, your book is at Tan Books, the title, Angelic Virtues of Demonic Vices. And there's a subtitle. Jess, the subtitle is? Y yeah, the, the subtitle is... Uh, Aquinas Practical Principles for Reaching and, Heaven and, and Avoiding Hell. And this tenbooks.com, tenbooks.com. And Father, what we just got was very practical for all aspects of the faith. Um, Jesse, you got a final question? 
Yeah, Father, uh, the last question is, why is humility so important in the spiritual life? Well, you have to first of all understand it. There's, there's false humility, you know, mm -hmm. and there's real, the real thing, see? Now, the real thing is accepting the fact that you and I are limited creatures. Our talents are limited. Uh, we are sinners. And we are people who are in need of God's grace and help. And, that, and then also, humility leads us to think well of others and not evil of others. Humility helps us understand, see the good in other people, too. It's, a, it's both an intellectual virtue and a, a virtue of primarily of the will, but it has a it really needs a little input from the old intellect. Okay. Now, the more you grow in humility, the more pride gets descended. So pride slowly diminishes. Okay. But you need more than humility. At the same time, you need what St. Thomas following Aristotle, but you never see it in the catechism, I don't think. And you won't find it in a lot of places. You also need magnanimity. I love that word. <laughs> magnanimity is the desire to do great things yes. with, the, with the graces that God is talents he's given you. Father, so the, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We got 20 seconds. I just want to remind people to go to Tam Books and pick up Father Basil Full's book, Angelic Virtues and Demonic Voices. We'll have him on again. Oh, we got to have. Father, I feel like you're like a coach to me on my spiritual exactly. life. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again for joining us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you, Father. Up Take next, care. Church Militant. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Oh, no, look who we have here. We got, <laughs> we got the big guy. The big guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. You caught the, and, and, big, caught the big guy having a, ha, having a little LaCroix water just yeah. before. Absolutely. And, and, and we don't mean the big guy from uh, the Oval Office either. No. <laughs> not, not that big guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Michael, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. What's going on in the in the world of politics, the church, and culture, and how does how does that affect us? What do we have to brace up? What do we have to get ready for? Well, uh, we just did a uh, breaking news report less than an hour ago that Ooh. the um, Maryland Attorney General's office released finally released their report on clergy sex abuse mm -hmm. and decades of cover up. Uh, 462 pages long, uh, almost 160 church personnel in the form of either priests or deacons or employees or whatever, uh, 600 victims, wow. and the report goes back to, uh, it goes back to, I believe, to 1940, and the interesting thing here, unlike the Pennsylvania grand jury report that we'll remember from the summer of 2018, the summer of shame, uh, they eventually did open up their window, their their uh, you know, the, uh, extend the window that you could sue. But while this report was being gathered, all the information and the phone calls, apparently there were 300 people who contacted the state uh, over those four years. That's a lot. I mean, you think about that. That's you know, essentially you know, 85 people a year that are reaching out to the attorney general's office in just that one state. That's a lot. I mean, that's, a, that, that's a, you know, about two people a week calling them steadily, nonstop, 
I was an eyewitness, I'm an abuse survivor, on and on and on, and just a steady stream of that. So that helps explain why the report is almost 500 pages long. Uh, but uh, like I said, unlike the Pennsylvania grand jury report, this one, the Maryland report, um, also had at the same time the legislation already working its, through, its way through uh, the Maryland state legislature. And uh, it is expected to pass, uh, it's passed the committees, it has to go for a floor vote. Uh, I believe in both chambers, uh, and then the governor has said, yep, signature's gonna go on it. So uh, that has to happen before the end of this year's legislative session, uh, which happens, I believe, in about a week or two. So in the next week or two, the window will open up uh, in the state of Maryland for many of these abuse victims to go back and file suits because they'd missed the statute of limitations earlier. And guys, I mean, this is the deal. We Catholics know that uh, that uh, that diocese, that archdiocese, is the first diocese established in the United States. It has you know, you know pride of place. Uh, and if they're going to get hit with hundreds of lawsuits, I mean, look at all the every time this happens, you know, a diocese or the diocese in the state get wiped out. And uh, you know, they say, oh, that's it. You know, too much. You get we throw up our hands. And we've got to we've got to declare bankruptcy. So the question really now looking down the road is, will uh, the nation's first diocese that has pride of place yeah. have to declare bankruptcy in order to avoid to get out from under having to pay uh, all of these various you know, hundreds of sex abuse victims cases? Um, yeah, and something to understand too, I mean, I think when, the, when church who's authorities- Who's the bishop, Mike, who's Lord, the bishop wh- who's, gonna, who's gonna fall on the sword? William Laurie. Okay, got it. Well, he's, he's been there right. ten. He's been he's been there ten years. I mean, it's not like it's not like this man. No, he doesn't go back to 1940 there, obviously. Yeah. But you know, he's been there ten years. And you know, the other question you know, I brought up during the special report, there's two things to consider. One is, uh, you know, while the abuse in these cases did in fact happen, you know, many years ago, some of them more recently, but you know, most of them are the actual events, the the incidents of the sexual abuse is a few decades old. Many of those survivors are still walking around today. And how do they get treated by church authorities? Like garbage. They're not acknowledged, uh, except in just some very general sense. Had the McCarrick revelations not come out five summers ago, coming up on five summers ago, they'd still be playing this game, shuffling these priests around and everything else. The word that I thought was interesting uh, that jumped out to me from the report is that the uh, AG's office called the the church the church leadership's actions depraved. That's a great word. Yeah, depraved because it pretty much explains everything uh, in that case. So you know it's uh, this uh, you couldn't if you're looking for a bigger black eye on the church, well you couldn't get one other than punching in the punching in the face the first diocese in the country. But Michael, let me jump in and wow. say this: these abuses have to come out. At, in, the, in the open because there's no healing that's going to take place unless these things come out. For the last five years, six years, all these abuses coming out uh, from uh, McCarrick. Can you imagine if you at Church Militant weren't there to share these uh, information with us? Uh, and we should be outraged and, and call accountability. To me, you're, great, you're doing a great service for Holy Mother of the Church to expose the pus in the church so we can clean our wounds. Yeah, it's it it is tr- it's truly awful. I mean, th- first of all, thank you for that. Yeah, this is not the t- this is not the type of stuff that we want to be no. reporting. Right, we want right. to be reporting about you know how Catholics have banded together and defeated this communist dude running for you know whatever senator yeah. president or sure. you know and advancing the faith. He, that's what we want to be telling. Yeah, but you've got this 
filth. And that's the uh, St. Saint, Saint Benedict. Well, maybe St. Benedict one day. Right now, Pope Benedict. That's what he called it. He called it filth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and when, when somebody like Pope Benedict, who certainly had the will, because remember when he was at the CDF for those years, I mean, that's his job. He sat there for 25, 26 years with thousands of these cases coming across his desk. That's how he knew the reality of what this was. And even he couldn't clean it up because wow. there are these insurmountable, yeah. uh, just, just you know, bastions covering this stuff up. So if you can't get it inside the church, well, you know what? For the sake of the victims, current and any future victims, well, then take it outside and fix it by that route if you have to. So, you know, they get what they deserve. Absolutely. This is is awful. Yep. What else we got going on, Mike? What else is on the news? Well, there is a... uh, uh, The bishop who has been appointed in Shanghai... Uh, now to take over. He's actually an appointee of the communist government. Unbelievable. Mm. We're we're not talking about the patriotic association or whatever the funny... We're talking about the actual church, not the communist facsimile of one. Yeah. Mm. They they essentially sort of stabbed the... They sort of stabbed the... um, uh, the Vatican in the back. Now, I will say the Vatican, because McCarrick, he was the one you know, who bartered that deal. You know, you, what's the old expression? You sleep with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Yeah. I mean, you're really going to be, you're going to be surprised, guys, that no. the commies are going to, commies going to turn and stab you in the back. You shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been in bed with them in the first place. Uh, you, so, you know, no one has ever seen that actual treaty. I mean, obviously, a few people in, uh, in Rome have. But no one's ever said they'll never tell you what a part of it is. They'll never get into the detail. What was traded away? I mean, Cardinal Zen gave us an interview about a year and a half ago, I think it was now, maybe two years ago, and said it was exactly, the church has just been betrayed. Rome, the Vatican betrayed the church uh, in China. And uh, I I was talking with some of the guys here when I was doing, uh, before I started the Apostolate 17, yeah, 17 years ago. Prior to that, in between my career in news and this, I'd actually gone to China with my work for General Motors, producing commercials and so forth. Uh, And I was in China on uh, 2000, 2001, and 2002. And one of my trips there, I I, I don't remember which trip it was, doesn't matter, but I was in Shanghai, and we were sitting on uh, by the River Pu. Yes, that's what it's called. Uh, Sitting by the River Pu. And my camera crew was there, and I happened to mention I'm Catholic and... You know, blah, blah. and they said, oh, we wish you'd have told us that because uh, we could have taken you to one of the house masses. And, you know, this is 20 years, 23 years ago. So I'm not plugged into any of that back then like I am now. Yeah. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, yeah, yeah the, they, they have masses. The the illegal underground church has masses in people's houses and the communist authorities know about it. They'll have people sitting on like each end of the street, you know, taking down license plates and taking pictures of people and writing stuff down. They're keeping track of who's going there. They let you do it. They just, uh, but they let you know it's very much out in the open. They're sitting there monitoring you. You know that they know and they know that you know that they know and you go ahead and practice the faith anyway. And I said, oh, and I was hearing about this on late on a Sunday afternoon. We were all sitting having an early dinner because we had an early shoot the next morning. And I was like, oh, I wish I'd have known that. And of course, I was gone by the time the next Sunday came. But I would love to have gone to uh, an underground mass in China. But the fact that this report comes along or this treaty in 2018 and merges these together. So there's these blurry lines. Catholics don't really know what the terms are of this treaty 
with the communists. I mean, communists are liars. Why would you believe? What's the point of doing a treaty with them? They're liars. I mean, you know, they'll sign it and they'll do what they want until it's beneficial to them. Mike, we only have another minute. I want to get a plug in on your website for all the resources you have for people who are monthly donors for Church Militant. Well, uh, look, we do all of this work. Uh, you know, got a staff. Everybody's hard at work doing what we need to do here. You know, we, the, it, it, if you realize just the number of bodies it takes, for example, to just spin up yeah. uh, that breaking news report we just did a little over an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, there's people monitoring it. You know, we've already written stories on it. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into this. I mean, you guys know you've got a, you've got yeah. it's not just you two. You got people sitting there behind you. Of course. Uh, so you know anybody who wants to keep in plug, plugged in, uh, you know, with a, on a very professional level of what's going on in the church the stuff that many other people just won't say for a variety of reasons, well, come here to Church Militant, and here's where, here's where you get the dope. Amen. Hey, well, Mike, let me ask you and, and Terry a question, two smart guys here. The Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger said a long time ago, I'm trying to track down this quote, he said that many of the clergy are malformed. He said in one of his 40 books, you guys, does it, does it trigger something within both of you guys? Because somebody emailed me, uh, where's that quote where Cardinal Ratzinger said years ago that many of the clergy are malformed? I, I don't know. I don't remember the where he said it, but I know we, I've I've quoted that in a couple of vortex yeah. episodes. Terry, do you know? Yeah. I, well, he just said it again right before his death. If you remember, the, oh, that's uh, right. Remember right. just recently talking about homosexuality in the seminaries yep. and the four formation. He said people would throw my books uh, and say, if you're reading a Ratzinger book, well, well you're not qualified to be a, a Catholic priest. Okay, yeah. I'll look that it up. Just I, a couple, I think I rem- six months okay. ago. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, Mike, thanks again for joining us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thanks for partnering with us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We really appreciate the, the, the partnership here. God bless, guys, and all right. God bless all, all your viewers and listeners. You got it. You got it, brother. All right. All right. Hey, Stay strong. God bless you. God bless, Michael. That was Church Militant. Jesse, our music's con already. Uh, you know, this is Spy Wednesday. Everything is the same in the sense that every day we get, a, we get to serve our Lord. And the goal for us is really heaven. So, Jess, what state should we be living after you heard Father Cole from the Dominicans talk state about... State of sanctifying grace. Of Don't course. live in the state of mortal sin. Yes. Uh, flee this corrupt generation. The days are evil. Pray your rosary. Read your Bible every single day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Go to confession this Lent. And as Catholics, remember, get holy or die trying. You got it. And then again, Our Lady of Fatima said it. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Folks, we can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ? Yes! Then step up to the plate make a sacrifice. And make everything a sacrifice. Give it all to God for the salvation of souls. What else is there to be a saint, right? Come on. Right. All right, Matt Arnold's up next here on vmpr.org. If you don't have it on your station, get our app by going to vmpr.org. It's a free app for you. May God just bless you and your family.